I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. In the beginning, I really built my salon off of my reputation, my skill, and as it started to grow, what happened was everybody was telling me and giving me the, uh, the advice get out from behind the chair, get out from behind the chair, get out from behind the chair. And to be honest, I think what I should have done in hindsight is I should have hired somebody to do all this other stuff, marketing this, because my skill was best served training my team. And I think the most important thing, if I were to look back and I were to to say, what could I have done better? I would have said, stay where your giftedness is and where you've, where I spent the most time in development. And that was in, in my craft at that time. But I didn't know at that time, so this was my learning experience, I didn't know at that time that I should have hired everything out, which is what you're an expert on, Tina, is that delegation of hiring a marketing person because I was you know, and am good behind the chair. I'd spent 10 years at Fidel Sassoon, you know, training to be uh, a, a, you know, one of their lead uh, teachers. I spent time in Santa Monica as an instructor and I love it. I absolutely love it. So in hindsight, I probably should have stayed more in that area in the salon world. So, so my advice would be, to stay where you're strongest and most gifted and hire out the rest. And it's not always the key to get out from behind the chair if that is where you're the best and where you shine the most. So um, uh, the other thing I would say where I feel like the biggest need is, is for salon owners to know their business, uh, to know, know their profit and loss and not get lost in it. So I think that's what I was trying to do uh, in my early stages of understanding my profit and loss is I, I was I, trying to understand it and I was spending most of my time in my office trying to crunch numbers when I should have been out with my team more often in the area that I was stronger. So, um, so those are my discoveries. And when I talk to salon owners right now, I think that the biggest challenge for them that I see is training their team and getting their team up and running and to really trust. Like if, if you are, are working with your team and you're cha- training them through leadership, trust them and allow them to fly. Because I think what I see is people not really trusting their teams and not allowing them to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So when I opened the salon, I had I didn't have a business background. You know, I knew how to cut hair well. How many people have lost staff members that have left to go open their own salons? Yeah. 
a lot. So if yeah. you don't let them fly, guess what? They're going to fly. <laughs> That's right. Wow. This is so good. I want to, I want to go back to the struggle, struggle with retaining staff here in a moment, but before I want to go back to what you stated, because I feel like a salon leader is listening right now that's saying, but I'm so good behind the chair. Like it gives like the only reason why I didn't stay behind the chair, Christine, is because I, I sucked at doing hair. Like I was not doing a service, a good service to my guests. I was ruining hair out there, you know, so it was bad, but so I was blessed in that, you know, facet of just staying in my lane for that reason. But let's talk to that hairdresser that owns a, owns a salon right now. It's just like, but Christine, it gives me so much reward. I love doing hair. Like help me, give me a different answer on here. Like what advice do you have for that hairdresser salon owner, right? That may have a few stylists or many that's just, you know, really loves what they do. So my advice would be if you're very good at it, reproduce yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, stay in it, but it doesn't mean that you have to just be behind the chair four days a week. Maybe you're behind the chair one day a week, and then you're training your instructors, not your staff necessarily, not apprentices, but now you're training your more senior staff to teach your staff. Mm -hmm. So it's like where where are you most useful with your skill that can help you multiply? I think that's really the question. Yeah. So if wow. you're multiplication, multiplication. yeah, that's how you're going to grow. And so if you're, if you're an educator, which a lot of salon owners are, if you're an educator and that's your skill, then use your skill to multiply. Yeah. I love that. And I 100% agree with you. I'm blessed because my business partner is my daughter and she's that hairdresser that's incredible behind the chair. And, but what she's done is she's reproduced herself, which is awesome. You know, she's, she's not like, she's 30, you know? And so, but she's been doing this since she was 16. And so it's just incredible to be able to watch her. But the interesting thing is, is with Rihanna is now she's down to three days a week because she had two children, right? And so she's down to the three days that I can babysit two out of three of those days, which is really ironic. And it's so awesome in itself, you know, that I have this opportunity to not only run businesses, but be a grandma too, you know? And so a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, how do you do it all? You know, I'm like, well, I just keep reproducing myself. So I yeah. love that you said that. What What is keeping people from reproducing themselves, Christine? Because I hear like a lot of excuses, but there's no one out there to reproduce. <laughs> I hear a lot of that, or I have, um, you know, salons that I've coached that have, you know, like tons of team members, you know, well into the hundred team members. And they're really frustrated because they feel like they can't, um, they don't trust their team, you know, to have that inner circle. And I'm like, oh no, you don't trust your team. Okay. So we got to start from ground one, which I know you and I are going to talk about this as well too, but what do you think is causing people to make that type of statement? I think that they need to get better as a leader. And I, I think it's really the mindset because there was a time where I was the person to say they. And I never thought I would be that person because 
you know, coming from Bedell Sassoon, uh, I thought differently right off the bat um, because I came from that company and it was very inclusive and everyone had to go through a training program. So um, everything was a lot more elevated with thinking uh, and skill. And so all the way around, I started my journey as a salon owner, I think with elevated thinking. I, I was always a giver because when you work for Bidal Sassoon, you are a giver. There's, you, you just are. You have to go through a training program and the whole training program is about learning a skill and giving a skill back. Learning a skill and giving a skill back. And I think if I really look at our industry, that is a big part of what's missing is, you know, why are you learning how to be a better hairdresser? But also soon changed. I think he, he left a footprint on the industry and his footprint is giving back. Yeah. That was, that was his legacy is how do I give back skills so that I can grow others? And so I think that's really missing. I think that's what's missing in a lot of what we do. And salon owners, if I could think about, and I, again, I like to go back to my, my mindset of what I struggled with was I went in with a great attitude and then I got beat up. And the reason why I got beat up is because I solely focused on skill mm. and I didn't focus on leadership. Yeah. I spent a lot of time as an educator and I, I spent a lot of time pouring out and I poured in, but it was, I poured in skill. And so what, what, what did I have to give out? So I think I like to look at it like, you know, almost like a, a canister, right. And you're pouring out. Well, I, I was pouring in lots of creative skill and I was getting inspired. Right. And then I was pouring out inspiration and I was pouring out skill. When I joined the John Maxwell team and I started pouring in leadership, mm -hmm. I started raising my mindset and then I could now pour out leadership. Wow. So there was a shift at that moment and the shift was, I wrote a blog about it. It was get better, not bitter. Mm. And it was the shift that I had in my mind about when a team member leaves, how do I not get bitter? Yeah. If somebody comes to me and says, Are, I'm leaving, or if they decide that that's not their choice of exit strategy and they choose a different strategy, how do I not get bitter? Right. Um, I remember years ago, this is, I was in business for about seven years and my first employee that I coached and trained and I really got, oh, I spent years and hours to make her an unbelievable colorist. She moved, she left the salon without notice on Good Friday with four of my other staff members and went and opened the salon down the street. And I walked into the salon and, you know, Four, four of my high producing revenue producers had left and she sent me flowers to thank me. Yeah. And I wanted to send her a bag of doo-doo. 
because I was so mad, you know, I was like, how could she send me flowers? And I remember going to church and lighting a candle and praying for her, for me, like just that I just was at the wit's end of not understanding why somebody could do this to me. Mm-hmm. And then now years later, pouring into myself with new ideas, new concepts, new thought, leadership, understanding servant leadership, um, I realized that I made it about me when it wasn't about me, first of all. She didn't leave me. She left because she felt there was another opportunity and the way that she was going to open a business was she thought she had to leave like that. She didn't think if, if I came to Christine, maybe she'll partner. If I came to Christine, maybe she will be happy for me. If I came... She didn't think any of those things. That was not in her realm of thought. Her realm of thought was, I need to take these clients because if I don't, I'll never be able to make it, you know? So I think that if we raise the level of thinking in ourselves, we'll see things differently outside of ourselves. Oh, good. Okay. I've extracted so much from you, Christine, about how to get better as a leader. I mean, that that's the main focus, right? And yeah. reaching outside of our industry to get that type of training because it hasn't been given to us before. There's really no one spearheading that. You know, I've been so blessed to be a part of the Paul Mitchell school world and the Paul Mitchell world, which really started their foundation with Vidal Sassoon. And so being able to, you know, expand that and our motto is all about giving back. And so the first step that I put down here is give back without expectations, because really, really, if you're giving to get, then it's really just a transition, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's something I've been working on really my entire life, but I'm so blessed because I had parents that are just so giving without expectations. I watched that example, but not everybody gets that example. Right. And so being a part of Paul Mitchell and watching John Paul and watching when they give without expectations. So I've been so blessed to be a part of that industry. And I know you and I are in a really cool Bible study right now. And we talked about this and it's called the bait of Satan, B-A-I-T, bait of Satan by John Bevere. And it's the spirit of offense. And I believe, and I know you do too. And I, I would love you to expand on this, that being offended is what will really destroy you as a person, but especially as a business leader. So do you want to talk about that and, and like the lessons that you've extracted so far from that study? Yeah, I think um, it's saved. It's saving my relationship, to be honest with you, in a lot of ways too, because I'm engaged and we're, you know, talking about getting married, and um, you know, I I have a little bit of fear of marriage. I'll say I I didn't have a good experience the first time around, and uh, so, um, but I do relate a lot of the book to to a business owner, and it's kind of like what I was just saying about. You know, if somebody is comes to us, I, I now have the understanding that if somebody's going to take the time to come to me and say something, I have to value mm. 
regard, it doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. I have to value the trust that they're giving, that I need to give them, I should say, and the trust that they're giving me to have that conversation. That's where it starts with. And if somebody has something to say to me that is not necessarily what I like, um, I think that what I've learned is to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's, you might feel, and what happens to me is it starts in the body first. Yeah, I notice that maybe I get sweaty, I get uncomfortable, my body is trying to tell me something. And I think that sometimes what happens is when our body tells us something first, based on past experiences, we're used to reacting. So, right. And so if somebody says something that we don't like, our body sends a signal, maybe it's heart palpitations or sweaty palms or whatever it is. And then we're just known to react a certain way because based on our past is what has happened. What I would encourage you to do is when somebody does that is you don't react. And sometimes you just don't react at all. And you maybe give yourself 24 hours. This is what's worked for me is I give myself 24 hours. I write out what I didn't like. And then I just start asking myself questions like, did I not like what that person said? For what reason? Like, was it something that triggered an old experience? Mm-hmm. Was it something, uh, did, did I feel like it was a, not respectful? And then I'll give myself 24 hours and then I'll have a conversation. And usually my conversation is what, uh, by Susan Scott Fierce conversation, she uses the five words. And this has helped me immensely with a team member. And it's also helped me to train them how to have conversations with each other. And it's when you when you blank, it makes me feel blank, right? So in other words, it'd be like, Tina, when you, you know, sort of abruptly spoke to me in the middle of while I was doing a client, it made me very frustrated because I couldn't give the client the right attention, you know? So what happens is you're stating what the person did and how it made you feel, but you're not posting blame. It's not like you did this and I don't like you or, you know, so that tactic and that book has changed the way I approach um, offense. Fear, Susan's, Susan Scott's book, yeah. uh, so much has, has helped me with offense. And now that I'm reading the bait of Satan, I just have to tell you, um, I can't believe how much I, I was thinking I was a little bit past this, but now that I'm reading this and I'm in it, I'm watching myself still get offended. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good that you're so aware now of the offense. And, and I've been doing the same thing. Like if I start to notice my body tense up, you know, especially around my husband. <laughs> and so same situation. And like you said, you know, you got to really watch yourself. And what I call that 
is raising the bar on emotional intelligence. So we do a lot of training in our salons on emotional intelligence. We're doing a book right now, uh, The 13 Things Emotionally Strong People Do. And so it's a really great book. It's been opening up my eyes, my team's eyes. And I love that because I put that as step two, how to get better as a leader. So number one was giving back without expectations and watch yourself on being offended, right? Be aware of when you are. And I want to talk about some, some ideas to help counteract that as well too. But um, so listening to your body. So raising and I, and I love this. So raising the level on your emotional intelligence. So EQ, I call it, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional quotient. And so when it's something that I've always said, I don't always follow through, uh, and, but I love something that you said, which kind of made me realize this mantra, when emotions are high, brain cells are few. So watching my emotions. And so, you know, January and February is an interesting month in the state of Michigan. I'm sure it is for you too in New Jersey and New York as well too, because we don't have a lot of sun. And so I'm blessed. I get to spend most of my winter in Florida, but it's something that I've been kind of training my team on, which I'll probably make it a system that, um, that please don't make any decisions in January or February that might alter uh, you know, your whole life, right? And so being careful to make sure, because I think a lot of people make shifts and changes in their life. Maybe some of them are good, but maybe not so much in those types of months when there's, you know, depression's a little bit higher because of no sun. Like this is a real thing, right? That yeah, really sure. actually happens. And I know scientists and doctors have even repeated this over and over. You know, it's like that, that winter gloom, you know, whatever you want to call it. But talk a little bit about, you know, as a salon leader and a salon owner, like, you know, how do you train your team? And also as a salon coach, how do you train salon leaders to train their team on emotional intelligence? Mm, that's a great question. So um, I'm going to use Susan's book because it's, it's a core training that we use. Actually, we're doing a mastermind group right now together as a, as a salon. We've had her systems in my salon for 15 years. Uh, and uh, one of the things we're doing right now is we're, we're going through the study. We did a six-week study on it where everyone reads you know, two chapters and then we discuss it. And now what we're doing is it was the team's decision. I was just ready to like dive into another book, but the team said, this book is so valuable. We think that um, it, this has the ability to change our entire organization and the people that join. So we want to spend a little more time on it. Do you mind if we dig in and we create more systems and processes for you know, our organization. I said, no, not at all. I said, I think this would be great. So what we're doing is now we just finished chapter one again, and we split up into teams. So I give uh, each team a part of the chapter and I gave them five questions to ask themselves. And it was, uh, I can't remember exactly all the questions, but it was something like, how do you see this living in our, in our culture? Mm -hmm. How do you think that we can um, implement this in our training program? Um, what do you think the roadblocks would be as we roll this out? How do you think that we can um, you know, overcome those roadblocks? And I think the last one was on a personal level, 
how would this affect you, your life um, moving forward? And so I just gave them five questions. And then what they did was they came to the weekly meetings with those questions answered. And then what we're gonna do now is we're rolling them out to create uh, systems and processes for, for that book. And um, so, yeah, so I think that was a big part of the emotional intelligence for us. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Chido, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com.